Welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, mindset coach and love specialist. I'm here today with Jessica Esfenderi, who is the podcast host for Open Late, with a forum talking about ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, and has guests on to explore the different facets of open relationships. The Anarchy Podcast, she's going to go deeper into her own personal story and passion about helping other people in developing community, in providing information, answering questions, and reaching out to people who wouldn't normally have community. So listener, pull up your chair, put on your headphones, relax in your car, and enjoy today's episode as we welcome Jessica S. Van Derry. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you for having me, Jaya. I'm so excited to have you on Love Anarchy. You're you're a wonderful fit. I had you know, really enjoyed getting to know you during the interview, and I'm excited to hear more about your story. Yeah, I, I'm excited to chat with you. I, when I saw Love Anarchy, I you know, found you on Instagram, and I was like, oh, this is my vibe. <laughs> like Anything that you know is people, I think, taking love and relationships into their own present experience and creating something that works for them is the space that I want to be in, creating designer relationships, because we're all so different with different needs. Yeah. And I found that as people change too, people want to explore different things. And sometimes when they're in a relationship a long time, they kind of feel locked in or apprehensive about talking to their partner about it. Absolutely. I think the longer you go without change or exploration um, or variety, the harder it is to be honest about wanting those things. Yeah. So Jessica's going to share her personal story, but she's also a podcaster too, and very similar vibe. So tell us a little bit more about your podcast. Yeah. So um, I have a podcast called Open Late, and um, it's interesting because Open Late is kind of a play on words. I've been in an open relationship or open marriage, in fact, with my husband for eight years on Tuesday. And we never intended to be open. Um, it it honestly happened by accident. We had our very first threesome as a very happy accident. It was not premeditated, not planned, not even expected. Um, and after that experience, we were both, you know, we had never talked about opening our relationship or any form of non-monogamy. Um, we, had, we were only together for, I think, less than a year when it happened. And... We woke up the next morning like, well, that was incredible, and I want to do that again. And I I knew that I was always attracted to women, and this happened when I was maybe 27, and I had really like suppressed that side of myself just because it was still like taboo. It wasn't the norm. Um, you know, I didn't have the confidence to explore with other women. I was quite intimidated by it all. And I was in, you know, three monogamous relationships back to back with men. 
until I met my husband and very little time off in between for exploration. So I was, I was a bit inexperienced. And a serial monogamist. And a serial monogamist. Yeah. I had my, my high school boyfriend, my college boyfriend, and then my post-college boyfriend. That's exactly how I was for the longest time too. Yes. Yeah. And it's just sort of like what society, um, what society paints for us, you know, and, and pops into like our lives from such a young age. We just are expected to do the next thing. You know, you're on the relationship escalator as people call it. So I'm going to date this person, see if they're a good fit to marry. And then the goal is spend my life with them, you know, um, the idea of the one. And so when I met my husband, I had been in a really bad relationship before, and I knew that I wanted some single time, some time off. I wanted something different. And so we, when we started dating, I think I was a bit more open. And I was like, I've been also sexually repressed, you know, in these previous relationships. So I really wanted to explore. And then this happened. So we just took it in stride. We weren't like, okay, great. Now we're open. We were sort of like, it it didn't just, uh, switch wasn't flipped and that was it. Right. Right. It was like, okay, how do we, how do we navigate this? This was really fun. Um, do we want to do it again? Is this something that we want to sort of seek out maybe? And luckily we actually kept seeing, um, that woman, uh, she was a friend of mine. And so, I felt comfortable. Um, I felt safe. I, I didn't, you know, of course there's a little bit of fear and anxiety that comes up. I wasn't necessarily jealous. Um, people ask that all the time. I did have, you know, like I wasn't worried that my husband was going to leave me. I was more like, what are people going to think if they find out? That was my biggest concern was a conversation of shame and of guilt and of, um, you know, just, who am I going to disappoint kind of thing? And so my husband, he's just so brilliant. He was, he's been a coach for a long time. I mean, he doesn't actually do it for work. It's never been his profession, but, um, he, this was, and this was around the time that I was actually learning to be a coach. He was like, well, what does it matter what anyone else thinks? And he started asking me really valuable questions. And so it was through that experience that I realized I had lived you know, the past maybe 10 years of my life that I was sexually active in this state of like doing what's okay and what's accepted. Um, and that just, you know, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So we took our time, we explored slowly, but one thing led to another. And, you know, a couple of years in, we, we explored some parties, like some really fun play parties. We, Um, met people on dating apps that are specifically for people who are open. Um, And there's, you know, just one thing leads to another and you sort of find people and find community. And we've always been really lucky. Um, But it's also never been like a huge part of our lives because we were closeted for a long time. And so I think that this is sort of what you asked, like, tell me about your podcast. I was very private. Um, I was in this open relationship and acting on it, but still very concerned with what other people thought. And I didn't want to hurt anybody. I was like worried to come out to my family, which was so silly because they are loving and accepting. They might not understand me. 
my mom still asks me all the time. I just don't understand how it works. I just don't understand if you're in love with him, why you need to like, you know, be with other people. Um, Jessica, my mother doesn't know how podcasts work. (laughs) She's like, I still don't understand. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting. My mom listens to mine, which, you know, they're not great with technology, but I love the fact that she listens and seeks to understand. And, um, just the fact that she accepts it is enough for me. Right. And, um, so then I'm like trying to condense this, you know, the story that's had so many twists and turns over eight years. Um, so my husband and I, we're very much into like being fully open, seeing other people. Sometimes we bring people together or like I'd be with him in a partner. He'd be with me in a partner. Um, and about three years ago, three years in June, we met this incredible woman, um, in actually a personal development course. And she came into our lives. She ended up moving to Los Angeles and moving in with our best friend. Um, and they became very close and, um, you know, she just was it. Like I never imagined being in love with a woman, but it happened. I was always like, I'm really attracted to women. I love having sex with them, but I never imagined having romantic feelings for another woman, like wanting to be with another woman, wanting to take care of her, letting myself really fall. And that happened with Lauren. And so that was kind of like a shock to everything in our relationship, but we welcomed it for sure. And the three of us actually carried on a relationship for about a year. I mean, the three of us are still in a relationship, but now it's a bit more, they have a friendship and she and I have, you know, almost like a best friendship and intimacy and we run a business together. So when that happened, I was like, wow, I, I was like, okay, okay. Kind of like hiding myself in the closet, but thinking about her, I was like, I I that you can't hide this. My parents are going to come visit. They're going to meet her. She's at our house, you know, every it, day. It she challenged. Over. It challenged so many normative structures that you were in, and it challenged you to really examine yourself. Absolutely, and it, it made me realize, like I had been by not being open about who I am almost like chipping away at my personal integrity, like as if I can't show myself to the world because there's something wrong with it, which was a beautiful revelation. And I'm so grateful to to Lauren for that and to Pasha. My husband's always been like, I don't care who knows. You can tell anybody. That's amazing. Um, Amazing. And just, he's so secure and like such a divine masculine man in that, It doesn't bother him if people find out that I, you know, have had sex with other men. And um, it's so interesting because that was the part of it for me. I was like, I don't care if people know that we hook up with other women, but, you know, what are they going to think about the other side of it? And so I had a lot of work to do. I had this internalized misogyny of my, uh, on myself. I love that. Yes. Yeah. And it had me realizing, is that how I view other women? Right. And so I had just been given this belief system, right? This deep subconscious belief system by society, by the way I was brought up, by the culture I grew up in, and just the people that I surrounded myself with. And so it was a beautiful unraveling, a lot of shadow work. And then 
And then I finally came out to my family. I did my first talk about this two years ago or three years ago now. Oh my gosh. At Burning Man. Wow. And, and yeah. And then I was like, saw how many people resonated with it when I would share with them. And also found out how many other people were in the closet. And I was like, this lifestyle is so healing and can help so many people live like really long, happy partnerships or even more fulfilled lives, like not coupled up by being open and just being open to connections and not having ownership over one another. And yeah, that's when I was like, okay. Then I started doing Instagram lives and then that that lent into a podcast. So this is the, the long-winded version of my journey. And um, I'm so happy that I've arrived here because I, I love helping people. My my career, you know, this podcast was sort of like a side thing, which it's not a side thing at all. It's totally different. Right, the same with mine. <laughs> yeah, but my my career for the last, you know, seven years has been a coach and a facilitator. Um, and I would always attract the people who wanted to work on their relationships or people would hire me for business coaching. And then like three calls in, they'd be like basically telling me about the relationships within their company or with their family or their loved one. And we would work on that. And then that would bleed into their business and then they were thriving. Well, and so, and it, yeah. And relationships are such the core of everything. We as humans are inner connected, whether we like it or not. We talk oh, about yeah. individuation, but everything is based on relationships. And I love that as you opened up these more taboo things, you know, from in our culture that you were able to open up and really get to know you more too. Yeah. Thank you. It, it has been that. I feel like I know myself now more than ever. I actually ask myself, like, how does this make me feel? How do I want to show up? Um, am I am I honoring my truth in this moment? You know, and it's taken me, I feel like a long time to get here, but also it's like right on time because I feel like most people talk about their thirties this way. And I'm like getting into my like late thirties now. And it's just so nice to look back and, and have compassion for my former self. Um, and so to people listening, like that's one of the things I'm always saying is like, wherever you are in your journey, know that it's perfect and just ask yourself like how can i how can i be better to myself what do i need how can i be honest about my needs whether it's with a partner or by yourself like what can i do to facilitate more happiness more expression for myself and that will lead you i promise hands down like all the time into a better relationship or a better situation whatever it is you're working for because the universe is always working out for you. And yeah, the universe always supports growth and authenticity and being, you know, being who you are and what you were born to be on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're going to get there whether you surrender to it earlier on and say like, guide me. Right. I believe in that. Or you can have all of your own plans you know, thinking about what you, what you want or resisting, like evolving. And then as you, as you grow and age, like it happens anyway. And 
that's why people talk about, I think, being later in life or being on their deathbed and having all these like realizations as they know their, their life is coming to an end and wanting to live more freely and do whatever. That's why like older people just don't give a shit. Like you'll see them just like doing them, right? Because they've like released all of the shoulds and all of the like have tos um, that I think we carry in our younger years. And so the sooner you can realize that like, live your life and be true to you. I think the happier you'll be for a longer period of time. I just got a picture from my friend and she's uh, 67 and I think her boyfriend's like 68, 69. And I open it up. They're naked, bodies painted at a, like a nudist retreat. And I'm like, you go. She's like, yeah, I don't care anymore. It's amazing. It's actually, we can learn so, so much from other people. And a lot of times I'm always like, what can I learn from children? And what can I learn from like my elders, right? Grandparents, because they've lived and they have so much wisdom. And then, you know, I mean, a lot of times, like not all of the things you want to take with you from older generations who haven't like, you know, adapted and, and sort of like evolved with the times, but in other ways, they're so wise and, they're doing what we're going to end up doing and how we're going to end up viewing the world now. So if we can start to adopt some of that earlier, it's like, I feel like a, a cheat code. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and I think that's with everything. And like the podcast and like, I love hearing people's stories. And that's why I've had people on talking about ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, and open relationships, but more from a clinical stance. Mm. So I think people are really yearning to hear personal stories. Yeah, that's very true. I I feel like there are a lot of, um, well, it's a trending topic and more people are interested in it. So there are a lot of amazing therapists and um, relationship coaches who are specializing in this now, which I love seeing all over podcasts. Um, And it's interesting. I think the reason that you don't find people who are living it talking about it openly is because it's so closeted. It's still in many places, so taboo, even unsafe, right? For people to come out about this publicly, because this is sort of the you know, 20 years ago, and and even still today, there are many people who are queer um, or homosexual or bisexual or transsexual who don't have the safety to be able to come out in their community. Um, And I think that polyamory, non-monogamy is that now what we experienced like 20 years ago. It's like this next revolution in sexuality and, and relationship styles. And so I always, on my show too, really want to communicate to my listeners and for people who are listening, wherever you are on your journey, it's valid. And I, you know, I live in Los Angeles, you live in Colorado, right? So we live in these a bit more open-minded communities. And I forget sometimes like it can be a bubble, but we have listeners, you and I all around the world, you know, with these growing shows. And so not everyone can can live the way that we live. They don't maybe have acceptance. They don't have a partner that they could open up to about this and they haven't gotten to that step yet. And so 
So many people live this life for 20 years, for 30 years. I talk to couples all the time who write in, who have, you know, Instagram accounts that are, that are hidden, right? This is their like anonymous account where they document their journey of maybe swinging, right? A couple in their fifties or sixties and no one knows not their family, not their children, not their community, not their church, right? Because, you know, they don't have the ability to, or or they don't feel like it's safe or there would be, it comes at too high of a cost. And so I think that's why you don't have as many people talking about it who are really living it. There are plenty of us out there. Like, I love it. I I have a, a group of like girls that I've started to get close with through my podcast production company, Soulfire, who they're just incredible and they've helped me so much launch the show. But um, Kelly Moore, who has a show, OK Babe, with her partner, Connor, and Alexa, that sex chick who's in mm-hmm. Austin, and um, she and her husband, Jordan. Yeah, they they both talk about it, then they're living it, and they talk about the hard stuff, you know, as I do too. And they're like, in it. Like this is what we did like last weekend. And that's just so refreshing. Um, because again, not everybody, not everybody can do it. And so to the people who are like cheers and keep going. And I just send so much, you know, uh, love and like momentum. And I'm like the biggest cheerleader for men and women who can like me. And for the people who aren't like, I see you and good thing you're living your life the way that you want to, right? Even if you can't be open about it, it's still taking a stand to create happiness and um, fulfillment. And um, I hope that y'all can come out one day and be on the journey too. And for people who've been interested and like want to dip your toe in, just know that more of the world is becoming accepting of this. And so I think that we're moving in a direction where people can explore and it doesn't have to mean something. It doesn't have to be permanent, right? You could dip your toes in and then come back and then try this out and then come back and then, you know, try out the next thing and see if it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't have to mean anything. It's like, oh, cool. We did that and it didn't really work. And maybe we won't do that again. Um, so yeah, anyway, I kind of went on a tangent, but I just love talking about this. I think you said something important and I've heard this a lot with couples or ethically non-monogamous singles about having a community to support them and to ask questions and um, how, you know, how it's probably very uncomfortable if you don't have that support, like in your community. And I know we have a lot here and you have a lot in LA, but um, that's kind of one of your passions is to create community for people who don't have it. Absolutely. Um, I've been doing that my whole life, like out of the womb. (laughs) It's funny. When I was a kid, I would, my house was the house that everyone came to after high school. Like, I mean, even after grade school, but after high school, all of the girls would come over. We would like make up dances or, you know, like even the boys would come over and we would like force them to like be in the, you know, high school talent show. And my mom taught me that. Like I've always, you know, and and my dad actually too. My dad 
has a great community of friends. My mom, we, she always invited people to our home. And so I've always been that way, even from the home. And then as I moved to Los Angeles, you know, um, starting sort of, it wasn't even a coaching business. My husband and I would like have speaker series nights at our house because we just wanted to help our friends grow and be into the things that we were into. Like literally we'd ha- we'd bring a friend We'd have a friend who was like a financial advisor come and teach everyone about like retirements and like Roth IRAs when we were in our late 20s, early 30s, because we were like, how is no one doing this? And then, you know, the next thing we would do is have someone talk about relationships and and self-exploration and plant medicine and this and that. Jessica, you and your husband are born leaders, huh? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, And then it turned into, you know, like women's circles and... I've always just sort of been like, what do people need? And I want to provide that. I want to be that. Um, I want to give people that space. Um, and as I've gotten older, it's turned into for healing, um, giving people a space to really be seen, be witnessed, um, to know that it's okay to do healing work in community. It doesn't have to be alone. I think it's even more powerful and impactful when we can do it in the presence of others. I think our society has lost that um, because that's how we used to do it. We lived in villages and tribes. We were not isolated. Um, And so to, to know that it's okay to emote and to process. Yeah, and this is a lot of the reason. I'm holding mm-hmm. up a, a my iPhone. A lot of the reason we've been isolated and then COVID on top of it, I notice a lot of people struggling, having awkwardness around social connection. But also personally, I realized how important connection was. And that's why I started mm-hmm. the podcast because I'm like, we're just energy, right? I said, so how can I connect even though we can't connect physically? It's, right. But now it's so much more important. People are craving touch. People are craving connection. Mm-hmm. And, authentic, and authentic. And I think it goes back to owning your, your open sexuality mm-hmm. of what you're wanting. Right. Yeah, because we're... We have a full range as humans. We're not really meant to come here and do one thing forever. Um, that's like how we started this conversation. You know, you were pointing it out. Like the, the more we go without change, the much harder change is. And change is actually the best thing you can do for yourself. It creates like, I think, the most sort of evolution and um, calm nervous system states when you get comfortable with change because it's going to happen anyway. Um, and and to be able to do that with a group of people, with a solid community where everyone's growing and changing together, it really lifts up others who are struggling with it when you have people who are more comfortable with it and can say, look, I've been there, I've done this. Like, I'm here with you. We're going to do it together. Um, and yeah, I don't know if it's like the Aquarius nature that I have, but I attract a lot of leaders too and love doing this work and being able to like point out other people's work and like then you know hearing your show I was like I love this show because it's all about like different looks at relationships and I think podcast is a great way for people to 
hear what others are doing, like on their own time. Like I don't have to go to a workshop, right? Um, even though that's great, I might not have time to, but I can listen to Love Anarchy or Open Late when I'm like folding clothes and I can feel like I'm with a friend, right? I have a lot of people who are like, I feel like we're best friends because like this is when I listen to you, which is such a great compliment and I love hearing it. Um, and I do it really intentionally because you know, I, I want people to feel that sense of community and feel safe. We actually are, we started, we're starting um, an open late community that's completely free and it's a WhatsApp chat. So for people who want to be in conversation, um, you know, and it's on WhatsApp, like you can remain anonymous if you, if you want to, um, you know, like changing your name, but it's a place of acceptance and like full exploration. So we'll talk about concepts. People can ask questions. Like I'll be chatting and sharing and giving coaching. Um, and also just, yeah, giving people a space to connect. Cause a lot of people are like, there's no one like me. You know, I, I live in Nebraska and, um, my hope and my goal is for, you know, other people to start to see, oh my gosh, like there is somebody in my town um, and they can connect on that and feel safe and validated um, in this space. So anyway. Yeah. It just reminds me of like in the past where, you know, you didn't feel like the gender you were born in, who do you talk to about it? Or you have feelings towards same-sex people and, you know, and you grow up in a very conservative community and you do end up feeling isolated and like something's wrong and because it's mm. not, you know, what other, you know, what your experience isn't mirrored back by other people. And I think that's the beauty, like you said, and especially your work, like having, having these chats and, having people talk about their apprehensions and their fears and normalizing their feelings. Like when, yeah. when you first started, when this kind of opened up for you, like what kind of things came up for you that other people might be experiencing? Um, yeah, I, I feel like just so just the full range of emotions over the last seven years, I've, I've probably experienced every single emotion. And so I love talking about it openly so that people know that it's normal. Um, and a lot of it's conditioning. A lot of it's, you know, some of these emotions, like we feel them and we experience them, but it's only because our expectation of a relationship is based on this societal norm. Like we might not actually experience um, rejection, right? If we didn't have this sort of fairy tale picture painted for us by every Disney movie. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you, that you will be chosen by this prince. And if it's oh, like, no, anything you are other saved, saved, yeah, by the saved. Prince. right. And if it's anything other than that, I don't want it. It's not real. It's not love, you know, and I'm like the on a horse, you know, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. From my sleeping deathbed. <laughs> um, and, and so like I'm making a joke, but it's so true. We create right. these expectations and they're created for us and they're sort of handed to us by everything that we see because, you know, um, 
science shows us that for the first seven years of our lives, we're in a state of hypnosis. So whatever we're taking in, whatever version of love we see, or whatever version of relationship we see, that's what we believe is love. So well, even if it's, it's reinforced over and over by our families, that is our first a vision of intimate love, and then all the media. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the uncomfortable emotions come as a response to things not looking in our lives the way that we've been shown that they should. Um, and That's so the word should, I know mm-hmm. it's like such a shouldn't, shouldn't and do's and don'ts. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love, you know, making that space and like holding it so that other people can see like, okay, I've been through this emotion too. Here's how I have processed it. I don't have to adopt this belief as mine anymore. I don't have to, you know, I'm going to experience this emotion. I'm going to be with it and actually like welcome it to come through my body um, and then process it and let it go. Whether that's tears, whether that's being angry, shouting, shaking if I need to, um, calling that like safe, you know, friend, like, I'm, I'm lucky. I have my best friend like lives in my house and, you know, Lauren, my partner actually lives like half a mile away. So we're together a lot. So I'm like, okay, this is just going to be like, I'm just going to bitch or I'm just going to rant right now. And just to get it out so healthy. And then you can sort of look at it like, okay, I've now processed that. And what do I want to do moving forward? What's the healthy version of that? So I don't experience so much, um, anxiety or, rage or whatever it is when this thing happens. And it's, you know, not even in your intimate relationships, but everywhere else. So to let people know that like your feelings are safe and they're valid. Also, as you're growing and processing these feelings, it's time to examine the like paradigm that you live in and that you function in as your relationship and see if what you have set up as your expectation is constantly setting you up to feel jealous or to feel um, fear of abandonment, um, to feel like this relationship is such a risk or to feel like you need to clamor and hold on to your partner to keep them. Um, So I think it goes hand in hand. You can do the shadow work and be in the motions, but unless you're going to examine your expectations and the relationship structure that you continually put yourself in, it doesn't, it's, it's only like one folds if you're only doing like the the emotional processing. Yeah, um, you brought then, up an, an important point is that like our emotions are navigational tools. And people say, well, I don't know. Well, get in touch with your body somatically and they will lead you to the answer and the truth. Yeah, exactly. Mm, so and, true. And intimate relationships are the place where your mirror is closest. Oh, yeah. And will bring in, bring up the mo, you know, bring up those things. And instead of pushing it away or denying jealousy and anger and denying these feelings, is sitting with them, embracing them. And like you, you have friends that you can hold a container where you can process this. And that's how we learn about ourselves. And become mm. congruent with ourselves. Yeah. So true. Mm. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So 
what do people just starting out need to know? Mm, or great- that have been exploring it in their own minds? Um, or, yeah. you know, as they hear about it, have that feeling like, oh, that maybe that excites me. Maybe it's something I want to explore. Yeah. I love this question. It's such an important question. It's like, and it's almost like when I hear what do people need to know, I would like to almost say, you don't have to know everything. Um, it's like, what do you feel and what do you want? And but the, the one thing to answer your like direct question, you the thing that you should know is like you don't have to jump into like dating other people or like having sex with other people. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they're like, ooh, maybe we want to do this. Or like, you know, maybe, you know, you've been married for 20 years and, and you are listening to the show and you're like, wow. I can't believe this is possible. And like, I kind of want to talk to my husband about it. And then you share the show with him maybe. Um, And then you start to have an open conversation about this. It's so important to take baby steps and to take just small steps. What that looks like is having a lot of conversations, Um, starting to really focus on your own sex life with each other. Like what things haven't we tried that might be exciting? Like what's, what kind of kinky things have we never done? Make sex an event, plan for it, put it on the calendar and be like, for these three hours, we're going to like, I'm going to give you a massage and then we're going to play this thing and I'm going to bring in this little paddle maybe or whatever it is. Right. So I always remind people, start having these conversations and then in your intimate moments, talk about what it might be like to what if you saw me flirting with another person? How would that make you feel, right? See see if that would even be a, a thing that would excite each other. And if it's not, then talking about like, what is exciting about opening up? How would I get fulfillment? How would you get fulfillment out of that? And then, you know, you could go to a bar together and pretend that you don't know each other. And allow each other to sort of flirt or be with other people or go to a bar separately and see what happens. Flirting with people online. And I I recommend like full disclosure when it comes to opening up and stepping into non-monogamy. There's a lot of people who will do like, don't ask, don't tell, or here you have a hall pass, you know, for this boy's trip once a year, for your girl's trip once a year. Um, which works for some people. For me, that never would. Um, We've always been like full disclosure. And so just seeing what it feels like and getting comfortable in that space first, like get your footing. Um, And then it it could look like, you know, maybe a threesome or maybe just going to a sex party and like watching, seeing if you both get turned on by that, right? With the intention to just... We're going to go and we're going to like take it in and then we're going to go home and probably have like the hottest sex of our lives. Um, you know, especially if you're, if you've been long-term monogamous, right? Um, so I think that there are so many little steps that people miss and they jump right into like, great, I'm going to get on field. I'm going to meet this other person. I'm going to go meet up with them while you're home and we're probably going to have sex. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to rip off the band-aid that way. 
And I think a lot of people think that way because they just think it's just sex, but there's so many subtleties to it. And I know people in open relationships where they don't have sex, they may do other things and each relationship is very different and unique. Yes. Preach girl. (laughs) This is like, so such an important topic. And I like, I feel like I almost talked about it for the whole last six months. And so I don't bring it up as much anymore or it's, it just, you know, it doesn't like come into the conversation as much, but it's so true. People over-sexualize non-monogamy and it's like everything. It's It's not just, it's just not relationships. It's like Everything is sexualized, yes. Yeah, it's like, no, I'm probably having the same amount of sex that I did a lot of times as when I was monogamous with my husband, maybe. I mean, because like we're also older and things are different and um, we're just like really secure in our relationships that we get a lot of intimacy from and a lot of like beautiful connection that really don't have anything to do with sex a lot of the time. And sure, there is more sex in some seasons, but to your point, people who are polyamorous might have a relationship that's really intellectually stimulating or emotionally stimulating and secure um, and intimate. And there is no sex at all, but like they love being with that person and they go to the park and go on dates. And, um, I think that's part of the taboo and the stigma is like, Oh, you're just out there like fucking everybody. And it's like, yeah, I have the ability to, and that makes me so much more selective, um, because I could be with whoever I want. Um, whereas I think when people cheat, when people are like unfaithful or which is just a form of non-monogamy anyway. And I think as soon as we realize that, we'll go on the journey of accepting that. But when people are unfaithful, they're practicing it anyway, and they're doing it in an unethical way, and then they can't share it, right? And so it's, it's this interesting thing of like, when, I, when I'm unable to do this like in a healthy way, I'm likely going to sleep with like almost like my first option because it's like a thing that's available and it has to be like a secret. Whereas when you're like open and you have a consensual um, non-monogamy container, you you have the ability to slow down and be like, who do I actually want to spend my time with, right? It doesn't um, feel it, so urgent. It doesn't feel so urgent. It doesn't feel like... Um, this thing that you've repressed and then so it sort of expresses itself in like a dark kind of shadow way with like the person that you've been crushing on at work for five years, right? Who just left their partner and now there's like this in. I think that's a very common thing that happens in a space of infidelity um, because it's such a repressed emotion. Whereas people who are open even just like I have a lot of friends who are in monogamous relationships who are like, we learned so much from yours. We're never going to open up, but now we tell each other we'll be out to breakfast or something. And we'll be like, wow, that woman was so attractive. Like, you know, and, and Pasha and I even started like that. I'm like, I want to know about every woman that you think about naked, like when you're in public, cause we do it, we all do it. So just tell me like, and that's how we actually got really comfortable in that space of like thought about her in her underwear. And I'd be like, really? 
her. And then I get to be like, okay, like, oh, that guy, like I would totally sleep with him, you know, or we just like had so much fun with it. And I have a lot of friends who who aren't going to step into, you know, being open or like sleeping with other people, but they're like, this has made our relationship so much healthier. We don't have to hide this part of ourselves, this inherent biology that I am stimulated by seeing a thing of beauty and it turns me on. Um, which, you know, when we repress that, we're, we're denying our basic humanity. And those are primal things, but we're also evolved. So we can choose whether we act on it or not, but denying the basic feelings about it is harmful to us. It's very unhealthy. It creates so many, so many blockages in the body. It creates a lot of sort of density in spaces all around the body. I mean, I'm an energy worker that, you know, that's my career being a Reiki master and working with sound and facilitating, you know, these healing journeys for people. So to see how much density is in people's bodies because they're not expressing themselves authentically and honestly, not living their truth, not speaking their truth. Um, It's just one more thing that reminds me I'm on the right path. And by being open about my relationship, I am giving other people a space to just accept themselves on a deeper level. And that's like really why I do what I do. Yeah, it's beautiful because it gives you permission to be you in all other areas of your life too. Mm. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jessica, for sharing your story and your experiences. And I'm sure our listeners are going to find it valuable it's um, such an important topic. And now thinking about it, like the people in the rural, more conservative places, unlike LA and Colorado, I'm so excited about your WhatsApp chat too. Um, Mm -hmm. It sounds like that's going to be amazing and very sought out. Yeah, we're really excited. So I'll share the link with you and for anyone listening, you know, they can grab it from you. Um, but for right now, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but it'll send, it'll likely go directly to my website is what we'll do. And then you'll, it'll link to it. So just openlatepodcast.com. Yeah. And is there any other platforms that you're on, Jessica? Yeah. I mean, I do a lot on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I, I share a lot of kind of just tidbits of information, um, sort of, you know, funny content, educational content. Um, I share more of my personal life. So it's open late, the podcast on Instagram. And then my personal one is journey dot with dot Jessica. So periods in between each word. Um, and yeah, and you can find me in those places and on the website. Yes. And Jessica, for myself personally, it was such a pleasure to meet you. I love finding other tribe members who Mm -hmm. are pushing forward to get us out of the stuck place about relationships and love and heart and energy. Well, thank you so much for having me, Drea. This has been lovely. Such a treat um, to, to get to know you and chat with you. And I appreciate all the really insightful questions. And I'm just Yeah, super excited to see where this goes. You made it so easy. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening in with us on the Love Anarchy podcast and the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. 
I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, Love Specialist and Mindset Coach. Thanking you from the bottom of my heart for choosing to spend your time with us, because I know you have a myriad of podcasts that you can listen to. Don't forget to subscribe, ring the bell, leave feedback. It supports the podcast so much. And don't forget to tell all your friends about it so they can listen too. And if you'd like to join in and know more about the community, join us on Facebook, Love Anarchy Podcast. Please leave feedback, comments, and information about what you'd like to hear on the podcast. I'd like to leave you with my favorite short but sweet quote. Love is the only true power. <laughs>